let me just say good morning to everyone. Uh, let me talk a little bit so that you, you guys could have your ears and whatever else tuned so that you could, you could understand this accent. This, this, this is no common accent. Uh, this, is, this is deep south. This is South Caribbean accent. So uh, if, if south wasn't bad enough, I mean, we, we're going deep south for this one. Um, you know, little did, did Brother Witt know that choosing that place was by design. Uh, so while I was talking, he, he was just shaking his head, <laughs> shaking his head, and I'm like, yeah, I, this was perfect. God, God designed it this way. Uh, <laughs> but it's been a blessing. Let me, let me just do this really quickly. Uh, time is my biggest enemy, so let me just do this really quickly. It's been a blessing uh, to have been here. We, we, we got in on Friday. And, you know, uh, Brother Todd and his wife, Denise, they have been such gracious hosts to us. We have wanted for nothing. Uh, our kids have thoroughly enjoyed themselves, and we have thoroughly enjoyed ourselves as well. We've met so many people just between uh, Friday night, believe it or not. We, we had some individuals come over to the house, and then all of Saturday, of course, we met a lot of individuals. And it's just been a blessing uh, to be here with you guys. Uh, you guys are awesome. I, I don't know if, if, if people say that to you, but you guys are awesome. And we just praise God for our time here. And I pray, hope, and trust that what is said today will truly be a blessing to you as this has been a blessing, this message has been a blessing to me. Uh, if you are so inclined... Let me just do this because I'm inclined to, to say some things, and I, I may go over time if I, if I decide to say everything I want to say, but let me just give some background and some context to where we are, uh, some background and some context to where the scripture reading was taken from, and then we will take it from there, all right? Uh, the book of Exodus is a wonderful book by itself and in the canonization or the, the organization of scripture of the Old Testament, it is known as uh, a book of law. You, you remember that Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, those are conceived or considered to be books of the law, the Pentateuch. However, when understood within context of the sum of the 66 books that make up the Bible, it is not only seen as a book of law, but the book, the book of Exodus is actually seen as a revelatory account of God's plan of salvation. That is to say, when we take into account the, the book of Exodus within the confines of the totality of the Bible, there, there is a theme that is generated from Exodus that I think is very important and vital for us. It is a theme of redemption. Exodus, therefore, is a book of redemption, and in it, God teaches, among other things, four realities. Number one, when you think about what the book teaches about redemption, we recognize that redemption is holy and solely of God. God is the one that orchestrates the redemption of man. In Exodus chapter number 3, verses 7 and 8, here is how the reading would go from the New King James Version. It would say this, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of the people who are in Egypt, 
And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Look at verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from uh, the land that is a good and large land to a land flowing with milk and honey. Did you catch that? God is saying, I have come down in his discourse to Moses. I have come down. I have seen. I have heard. And I have come down to be a deliverer to my people. So God is setting the, 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 the record straight for Moses. Moses, I'm going to send you. But I want you to understand and appreciate I am the deliverer of the people. So when you think about what the book of Exodus does, the book of Exodus teaches us, number one, that redemption, the redemptive plan of God is holy and solely of God himself. Secondly, not only does it teach us that redemption is holy and solely of God, but it also teaches us that redemption, God uses people or a person. In this particular instance, in the book of Exodus, we recall that God would be the one to call Moses, and Moses would be the one to go towards Pharaoh and say to Pharaoh, God had said, let my people go. Moses would be the one that would lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. Moses would be the one to, to lead the children of Israel in the wilderness, even through their 40 years of wandering. So God is saying through the book of Exodus, I am the reason for your salvation. But he's also unraveling his plan of salvation by indicating to the Israelites and by extension us. Remember when Paul wrote in the book of Romans chapter 15 verse number 4, remember what he said, everything, all things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we, through patience and comfort of Scripture, might have hope. So while they may have read Exodus, and while they would have learned from Exodus, we too today have a lot of lessons to learn from Old Testament Scripture. I, I don't know about you, church. I'm hoping this is a church that appreciates not just part of the Bible, but all of the Bible. Because check this. As even though we are New Testament Christians, we will not fully understand New Testament principles, New Testament practices until we appreciate and understand Old Testament concepts. If you and I want to understand what it means to give in a New Testament concept in church, we need to appreciate what it meant to give in an Old Testament context. If you and I want to appreciate what it means to worship God in a New Testament context, we need to understand and appreciate what it meant to worship God in the Old... You guys with me? In the Old Testament. You could shake your heads or you could say amen. I'm telling you, if we understand and we appreciate the Old Testament some things become a little bit more clearer to us in the New Testament. You guys with me? Not only does he go on to help us to recognize that redemption comes through a person. Let me do this really quickly. He also wants us to know that redemption, this is all found in the book of Exodus now, redemption is by blood. Prior to the children of Israel leaving by a high and mighty hand in chapter 14, we read chapter 12, where God is instituting through Moses the Passover meal. 
And it's interesting because in this Passover meal, there's a lot of instructions, but you will, re you will remember this part. God told them, when you get that lamb and you kill that lamb, I want you to take the blood and I want you to pass it on the doorposts and over the lintels. And when the death angel passes, you remember this part now? When the death angel passes and he sees the blood, I will pass, he will pass over you. What are you saying? I'm saying blood is involved in the redemptive plan of Almighty God. I don't know if you are making the correlation already, but when you think about our redemption in the New Testament, number one, it's holy and solely of God. When you think of our redemption in the New Testament, it came through the person of Jesus Christ. When you think of our redemption in the New Testament, God had to sacrifice his son and through his blood, you and I are blessed with the forgiveness or remission of sins. And so the book of Exodus helps us to see that God is indeed, in fact, a God of redemption. And then fourthly, not only do we see the book of Exodus teaching us that redemption is holy of God, not only does the book of Exodus teach us that redemption comes through a person, not only does the book of Exodus teach us that redemption is by blood, but also Lest you thought it any other way, redemption, the book of Exodus teaches us, is by power. And so the salvation that we enjoy in the New Testament is also by power. Our text, the book of Exodus chapter 14, let me hasten really quick into our text. Our text, in the book of Exodus chapter number 14, in our text, God has broken the resolve of Pharaoh through working of the ten plagues that followed Moses' preaching. It must be said that while Pharaoh seemed not to be bothered by the first nine plagues in motivating him to let the children of Israel go, it goes without saying that the tenth plague, the, the death of the firstborn, was the proverbial, proverbial straw to break the camel's back. And so for every single plague, plague number one, plague number two, plague number three, all the way through plague number nine, Pharaoh's heart just got harder and harder and harder and harder to the degree that he didn't adhere to the command of letting God's people go. And so God said, all right, I'll set this last plague up and I, I, I know you will get it, Pharaoh, when I'm done with this last plague. And so God sends the death angel, and no sooner did God send the death angel, no sooner did the death angel do his thing, did Pharaoh decide, you guys just get out of my land. And so at this particular point in time, the children of Israel are, are being set free. At this particular point in time, God has worked his miracles. God has worked through power, and God has broken Egyptian resolve while on his way to breaking Israelite chains. And so the Israelites are told to leave. They leave haste. They leave in boldness, and they leave by a mighty hand of God. Let me repeat that. They leave in haste. I want you to understand, if you were in slavery and somebody told you you're free, you would leave in haste. They left in boldness so much to the degree that God allowed them to go into different homes, essentially plunder the homes, take what they needed for their journey, and go. 
But not only did they leave in haste, not only did they leave in boldness, but the scripture tells us that they left. The reason why they left was because of God's mighty hand. I'm telling you, when God leads us, he leads us by a mighty hand. And so after 400 years of slavery, they left. I need for you to get this. After 400 years of slavery, they left. After generations and generations of individuals hoping and praying for a deliverer. I need this to sink in before we get into our text. After generation of generation after generation of praying for a deliverer, God send a deliverer. God send a deliverer. God send a deliverer. God finally answers their prayers, their generational prayers, and sends a deliverer. And so they left. They may have been born in Egypt, but they were no Egyptians. God is teaching right here and right then that we might be born into this world, but we aren't necessarily citizens of this world. I need for the Christians to appreciate this because you could take this how shallow or how deep you want. As far as the history is concerned, the Israelites that came out of Egypt were never called or considered to be Egyptians, even though many of them were born in the land of Egypt. They maintained uh, their, their title, they maintained their name, they maintained a label solely on their relationship to God. You guys following me on this? And so I'm saying to us, I'm saying to you, I'm saying to all of us here that are Christians, we might have been born into this world. If you look at my passport, it says Trinidad and Tobago. I'm a citizen physically of Trinidad and Tobago. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, I am a kingdom citizen. And so they, they may have been born into Egypt, but they were no Egyptians. We may all have different nationalities on our passports, but to those who are members of the body of Christ, our citizenship is in heaven. You, 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 you might struggle with that, but I'm telling you, if you are a child of God, your citizenship, my citizenship is in heaven. So follow me on this as we make our way really, really quickly into the text. Our text gets us to the point where God has now led the children of Israel to the end of chapter 13. It says, God led the children of Israel out, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. And he led them not by the way of the Philistines, lest perhaps if they see war, they will determine to turn back and go to Egypt. So he led them down. He is leading them down into the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. So God already knows what type of people he's deal dealing with. I'm telling you, God is a good God. And so rather than allow them to go northward, I'll tell you this though. If they had gone northward, it would have been a shorter journey to get to Canaan's land. If, they, if, if God had decided, listen, rather than make this large detour, I'll simply take you northward because you know, you know how it goes, right? The, 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 the way to our destination, the, the fastest way to our destination is a straight line. 
And so God knew I could have simply taken you north and that would have been it. We would have been there in a short space of time. But sometimes it's not about getting there quickly. <laughs> sometimes the, the, the idea of meeting the destination is how you meet the destination. You, you could shut up yourself really quickly to a position, but it's how you get there. And anybody ever seen people get promoted, but they got promoted not because they worked hard. They got promoted because somebody knew somebody who knew somebody who knew them. You know, you know how that works? It's one thing to, to gain your success through hard work and diligence. It's the next thing to gain it through illicit means. And so God knew, I could have taken you up. I could have, I could have brought you to the promised land, taking the shortest route. But sometimes taking the shortest route does nothing for you. So in God's mind, it's his intent, and I'm going to get to this really quickly, it's his, it's his intent to take the children of Israel. They, they are not a nation yet. They are not a people yet. This is just a large group of essentially family that have grown in their time while in Goshen and in Egypt for 400 years. And so they, they are bombarded. They are mixed with thoughts of idolatry within their, 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 their family. They have all these different types of modes of worship. They have yet to understood what it means to trust God wholeheartedly. So God says, I'll take you into the wilderness to teach you. I'll take you into the wilderness to try you. I'll take you into the wilderness to, to make your faith perfect and to make your faith strong, to build you up, to give you a law, to make you a people, so when the time is right, you could go into the land and you could conquer it. You need some resolve to receive the promise. And I don't know if you're beginning to make some association, but church, Every one of us here that are Christians, we identify with the promise of heaven. Remember before Jesus left this earth, he said this to his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are what? Many rooms. Some, some translations would say mansions, that's fine. There are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Check it, that where I am, there you will be also. All of us that are Christians, we are falling on the promises of Almighty God. But inasmuch as God has promised heaven as a home or as a reward, it to go from here in Antioch to glory where God is. It takes some resolve to go from 2020. 2020 started off pretty good on your part to go from where you are to what I have in store for you. And so you're going to have to learn to build faith. You're going to have to this point where God is leading them down from Egypt. And as he's leading them down to, from Egypt, he brings them literally to the Red Sea. And I'm going to do this really quickly. So God brings them to the Red Sea to a place where physically speaking, there is no way forward. I want you, I hope you appreciate. He brings them to a position where physically speaking, where as they look with their eyes, there is no way, nowhere to go, but maybe back. But he orchestrates this thing so well. Pharaoh, for some reason, he decides that I'm going to bring these Israelites back 
into Egypt, and so at their back is the, is the Egyptian army. Pharaoh decides, I'm going to get the choicest horses. I'm going to get the choicest soldiers. That is to say, he sends the best of the best of sin. When God frees us from sin, the devil